Radio. Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the Graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk, we will try and open up and explain in simple terms the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. We will also include a testimony of people who have experienced her love and grace in their own lives. So welcome to the program and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for all the graces and blessings that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your mother. We ask you, Lord, to be with us and to send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts. We ask you, dear Mother, to teach us to pray. Give us your heart, dear Mother, so that we can enter deeply into our prayer. We can discover this wonderful world of prayer, of union with you and Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, filling our hearts with joy as we praise our Heavenly Father. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Blessed Pier Giorgio, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Blessed Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Saint Faustina, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, in our session today, we want to look at the topic of prayer. Now, prayer is the most single important element in the spiritual life. Without prayer, we have no spiritual life. So to have a good understanding and experience of personal prayer is absolutely essential if we want to progress in our faith and increase in our love for God. To have a devotion to Mary is, of course, as we've been saying in all these talks on Our Lady, is the fastest way to deepen our love and increase our intimacy with God. In fact, we could say that the deepest union to the heart of Jesus is only available for us to experience if we come via Mary. Without Mary, we are limiting our capacity to love God. I guess the first question we ask when we look at the topic of prayer is, well, why do we pray? Well, some people might answer this question by saying, well, it's the way I survive in this world, through prayer. Through prayer, I'm able to have all my needs met. Well, that answer would be true. But if we simply view prayer as a way to get things, our attitude can become very narrow and selfish. Yes, we do need prayer for our needs. And Jesus and Mary certainly want to do this for us. They want it very much. But it's not the most fundamental reason why we pray. We pray so that we can love. Love is the fundamental principle of the Christian life. So without prayer, 
we cannot truly love. Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta said that prayer expands the heart. It's a beautiful expression. Prayer expands the heart. And through prayer, through deep prayer, we create intimacy with God. What does intimacy mean? Well, as one person put it so cleverly, if we break it up into into me see, it's that personal encounter with God. Why is it that we need to pray in order to love? Well, God is love. God is love itself. We don't just say God is merely a loving person. God does not so much have loving qualities. Rather, God is love itself. All love in the universe originates from Him. God is the source of all love. Without God, there can be no love in the world. And part of the gift of our human nature is this inbuilt capacity that we have to love. Every human being has the potential to love, to some degree. But the Christian spiritual life calls us to enter into a deep, loving relationship, first with God, then with our neighbour. And we can never truly love our neighbour if we don't love God. So when we pray, we bring ourselves into contact with God. In other words, we bring ourselves in contact with the living God. A living person is standing next to us, if you like, listening to us, looking at us, waiting for us to communicate. When we do this, God's love can't help but flow into us. When we open ourselves up to this love, His love will flow into us. The more we pray, the more His love is able to flow into us. And all this happens because we're made in God's image and likeness. This flow of love happens very naturally when we pray. And remember, we're only able to love because God has loved us first. When we know that we are truly loved by God, when we truly know this, this can be a huge moment of conversion or realization. Huge, life-changing. When we discover this, we can't help but return God's unconditional love back to Him. We're made in God's image and likeness. And love is the essence of the relationship between the Father and the Son. When the love flows between the Father and the Son, when we enter that holy union with God through prayer, it flows also into us. Blessed Pope John Paul II once said that God is a family. The Trinitarian Godhead then is best described as a family. Three persons living in a relationship of love with each other. So using that description of God as a family, we get a glimpse of how we are made in God's image and likeness. The essential element then of this relationship of the Trinity is love. So if we want to enter into this loving relationship with God and share in this inner love life, if you want to call it that, this inner love life of God within the Trinity, then we too have to love like God loves.
unconditionally and completely. Prayer then allows us to enter into this love. It expands our heart. And so to walk the spiritual journey, prayer is essential. With prayer comes the insight into the real meaning of life. Love of God and love of neighbour. Nothing else can satisfy the human hunger of the heart. No amount of money, no power, no amount of sex can fill that void. But sadly, too many people never discover this reality. With prayer comes the only true happiness in our life that lasts eternally. With prayer comes the experience of joy and the freedom of life, true freedom of life. Prayer is everything. Prayer is the most practical thing you can do for your life. Don't waste your life without prayer. Spiritual prayer is like physical exercise. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it and the more fulfilling and rewarding it is. If we want to experience all these benefits of prayer that we've been talking about, we have to pray and we have to pray lots. Just like you don't win a triathlon the first week you start training. The same with prayer. We won't experience the deep benefits until we've developed a rich prayer life. So it raises the question, for how long should we pray? Well, if you've never prayed before on a regular basis, then start with about 5 to 10 minutes. But remember, it's not just about the quantity of prayer. It's also linked with the quality of prayer. And we'll come back to that. So, how long should we pray? Never prayed before, 5 to 10 minutes. Quality prayer. Whatever you're doing now, stretch and do more prayer. Keep adding more prayer. Keep adding and keep adding. And don't even think about stopping until you get to three hours. Three hours a day. And you might think, oh, it's impossible to pray three hours a day. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. How much television do you watch each day? It's funny, you ask someone, you want to go and see a movie or want to watch a movie on TV? Easily, one and a half, two hours? No problem. But if you ask somebody, hey, you want to come and pray with me for two hours? They'd say, what are you, fanatic? <laughs> you know, we've got all our priorities upside down. I once heard it said, the best way to pray more is to simply pray instead of eating. So every time you would normally have a meal, pray. And why? <laughs> the comment was, well, you'll certainly find time to eat later. <laughs> In other words, it's all about priority what really is important to us. And until we can push through and experience the richness in our prayer, we're always going to have to be disciplining ourselves to pray a little bit more than what we have been. So let's go back to the quality of prayer. What do we mean when we say the quality of prayer? Well, if prayer is to create a loving relationship with God, then what we say in our prayer must come from the heart. We often hear that expression, pray from the heart. What exactly does that mean, pray from the heart? Well, to pray from the heart means that each word of our prayer, we say it with heartfelt meaning. 
We can't rush our prayer when we're trying to say it with heartfelt meaning. Our prayer may not be tied together with long, beautiful theological words, but it should be said with heartfelt meaning. So the simplest of words said from the heart is a very powerful prayer. So it's very hard to pray from the heart if we're not emotionally connected with the words that we are saying. So it calls us to bring our mind and our heart to connect together. What exactly am I saying? If we can pray with a real awareness that God is listening to us, or actually more than that, he's not just listening, he's hanging on our every word. If we can pray with an awareness that God is hanging on to our every word, then this is a prayer from the heart. So we have to be careful with repetitive prayer, like the rosary, that we don't let our mouth rattle off words and our hearts are not connected with Jesus and Mary. The rosary allows us in a special way to enter deeply into beautiful, rich prayer. But we must keep connected with Jesus and Mary. And we do that through either meditating on the mysteries or by praying each word with meaning from the heart. I remember once I asked the question, how do we keep the rosary fresh? And the best answer I've ever received to that was, pray it from the heart. And when I did that, the whole rosary was transformed. So it doesn't just apply to the rosary, it applies to any prayer. Pray it from the heart. Now when we pray, the way we begin our prayer is very important. If we don't enter our prayer correctly, we'll never really be in step or in sync with the dynamic of the prayer. So we have to create a space in our heart that invites God to be present with us. Again, it's this real intimacy that we want to be aware of. And of course, in our church, we have this wonderful tradition of making the sign of the cross when we begin and end our prayer. And making the sign of the cross slowly with heartfelt meaning, aware of what we're saying, our heart connected with the words that we are saying, is a great way to create a space to meet Jesus and Mary. And at the beginning part of our prayer, we should invoke the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit to come into us, to be present. And after all, the more we get into prayer and we start getting into the really deep part of praying, we discover that prayer is less about me praying and more about me being aware that the Holy Spirit is praying in me. And also early in our prayer, it can help us if we first recall all those things that we are grateful to God for, thanking God for all those blessings. We try and become conscious of how much God has blessed us, how much he has loved us, how much he has given to us, how many sacrifices he's made for us through his passion and death on the cross. Then it's also good in the early stages of prayer to reconcile with God for the ways we have offended this beautiful love, this beautiful unconditional love that God has given us. So a heartfelt act of sorrow makes us realize that we're dependent upon God 
for his love and his mercy. And there's something beautifully freeing in the raw humility and the raw honesty to throw oneself at the mercy of God. How merciful is God? Well, the best way I can answer that is to invite you to download from the Cradio Library my talk on what is the message of divine mercy. It goes for about an hour, so there's no short way to answer this question. If you think you know what God's mercy is, in my experience, until you've actually studied the words of Jesus in the diary of St. Faustina, you most likely have a very poor understanding of what God's mercy is. I know it was for myself. It was just a revelation. A light went on in my whole spirituality to discover the mercy of God. Father Ken Barker also has a wonderful talk on the mercy of God. He's written a beautiful book on it too, which I highly recommend. So reconciling then ourselves before God helps bring about a space where we can humbly meet God. And true humility is always an expression of ultimate truth. What is that truth? God is all-loving and rich in mercy. I am in constant need of his forgiveness and mercy. I am a mere creature. God is the creator. God is my creator. This is sometimes a wonderful thing just to meditate on because it really brings a truth in, keeps our pride down and makes us realize no matter how big we are in this world, we're still a creature. Only God is the creator. I'm sure many of you have heard that popular phrase, I begin my spiritual journey by coming to know a singular profound truth. What is that profound truth? There is a God and it's not me. <laughs> it's wonderful. So when we pray, we can also invite the angels and saints to join us in prayer. This adds intensity to our prayer. I hope to cover in the near future a talk about the power of angels and Mary's role as Queen of Angels. And of course, we also invite Mary to pray with us and for us. We've talked a lot about the power of Mary's motherly intercession for us. We've talked about how Mary mediates for all her children. We've talked about how Mary is the dispenser of all heaven's graces. But we need to know the right disposition we should have in our hearts when we pray. In this way we are called to imitate Mary's heart. To pray with her heart. In other words, we can give her our heart, our poor, broken, wounded heart, and ask her to give us her beautiful, holy heart in return. Mary's heart is always attentive to what she is saying when she speaks to Jesus. Mary's heart is always focused on her son. Mary's heart is rich in love with her son. And she knows that the greatest desire of her son is for the salvation of our souls. So Mary's heart hungers too for our salvation. And she will not rest in heaven until all her children are safely home with her and Jesus in heaven for eternity. We've said it before that we think nothing of asking a holy person to pray for us. Who is holier than Mary? 
no one except God himself. So we always ask for Mary's intercession. Her prayers are more powerful than anyone else in heaven. Now what about those times when we're praying and we really find it hard to pray and we find it hard perhaps because we've had some emotional upset in our lives? We're just so upset, emotionally disturbed, we just can't settle down to pray. How do we pray in those circumstances? Well, the best way I've found is to simply go before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and pour out your heart to Jesus. Tell him how you really are feeling. And these can be very powerful prayers sometimes, even though they're strewn with a lot of emotion and perhaps not put together very well in words and maybe even mixed with tears, but they can be very powerful. And often what you find is, after you've shared your problems with Jesus, while the problem itself may have not changed, what will amaze you is that you will experience a peace and a joy that you didn't have before. And suddenly the problem is not so overwhelming. You know, there's a beautiful story about the conversation between Jesus and St. Faustina. St. Faustina said, Jesus, you know all my problems. And Jesus said to her, Yes, I do, but I like to hear you tell me about them. Isn't that lovely? Yes, God knows what our problems are, but he likes to hear us tell him. Why? Because it builds relationship. We speak from the heart when we talk about these things, because they are disturbing our heart. And he wants to come in and embrace us. He wants to meet us there. And in another conversation Jesus had with St. Faustina, he asked her, why are you keeping some things from me? And she said, oh no, Jesus, you know, I've given you everything. I've given you this and that and off top of my prayers and all of this and how much went on. And he said to her, there's one thing you have not given me. She said, what is it, Jesus? And he said to her, your misery. Give me your misery. So again, there's that idea of pouring out your heart in the midst of a really difficult time. Sometimes people ask, well, what should we pray? Should we pray formal prayers or informal prayers? Which is the better? Well, what do we mean by formal prayers? Well, formal prayers are things like the Rosary, Chaplet of Mercy, Psalms from Scripture. In other words, a prayer that somebody else has written. As against informal prayer, which is the more spontaneous prayers of your own words. Well, the answer is we need both. Informal prayer can deepen our intimacy with God, like what we've just described when you go and pour your heart out. The words themselves might not be much, but there's a lot of heart content in it. While formal prayer is also important because it can be the source of great grace to understand the ways of God. Like when we meditate on the rosary, we start to see things. We start to understand the ways of God. We understand how Mary was the perfect disciple. And we should mention, of course, that the greatest prayer of all is the Mass. And the Mass is a formal prayer, obviously, but it's also times of silence. Particularly when we receive Jesus, we can also add that dimension of informal prayer. But again, we need to come to Mass with the right disposition. If we're running in late and worrying about getting out early, we're going to miss it. 
So I'd just like to close in sharing with you another quote from Jesus to St. Faustina. And this is about how we should receive him in Holy Communion. They're powerful words, and I think it's a beautiful thing for us to end our session today on prayer, and the Eucharist being the ultimate prayer. We want to be open to the graces, and we want to be in union with God's mercy and love. So this is what Jesus said to St. Faustina. For those of you who have the diary, it's paragraph 1447. Jesus says, How painful it is to me that souls so seldom unite themselves to me in Holy Communion. I wait for souls, and they are indifferent toward me. I want to lavish my graces on them, and they do not want to accept them. They treat me as a dead object, whereas my heart is full of love and mercy. In order that you may know at least some of my pain, Imagine the most tender of mothers who has great love for her children while those children spurn her love. Consider her pain. No one is in a position to console her. This is but a feeble image and likeness of my love. And so, dear Jesus, we thank you for the great gift of yourself in the Eucharist. Help us, Lord. Teach us to pray. Send us your mother. Open our hearts so that she can lead us in prayer into deep union with you, especially at times of Holy Communion. May we experience your love and we ask for the grace of perseverance in our prayer that it may become the most important and the most look forward to activity that we do in our day. We praise and we thank you, Lord. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please don't go away, because we will be right back with our special guest speaker today, who is going to share something of their own faith journey and their discovery of the love of Mary. So welcome back. Today our special guest is Chris De Silva. Now Chris lives in Brisbane and he's studying journalism. Previously he was involved in Net Ministries. Many of our listeners I'm sure will be familiar with the great work that Net Ministries do as they travel around to schools and evangelise. And I have Chris on the phone with me now. Welcome to the program, Chris. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for having me. Chris, would you like to share with our listeners something about your own spiritual journey and how you come to have a, a deep faith? Yeah, sure. Well, I was born into a Catholic family in South Africa in a town called Port Elizabeth. I have an older sister and our family used to go to Mass every Sunday and we went to Catholic primary school and I think we were very much cultural Catholics. Like, I believed what I was taught at school and I trusted what, I, what my parents told me you know, because when you have that good relationship with your parents, then then you trust what the, what they teach you. Uh, but as I, I guess, I entered my teenage years, my sister, who was a little bit older than me, 
you know, she decided she didn't want to come to church anymore and she put up a bit of a fight about it. So she stopped coming and she would rather go out with her friends and party and all the rest of it. And I guess that really made me question my own faith and where I stand with church and everything and, and do I really believe in God? And, and I think I, I always did believe in God, but I didn't really see much of the point in going to Mass. But I would go every week with my parents just to keep them happy, just to keep the peace in the house and everything. But I definitely didn't really have that personal faith, that personal uh, relationship with Jesus. And so I began looking to all the wrong areas to fill up that void in my heart. I looked to girlfriends, having relationships with girls and, um, you know, just going out, uh, partying a little bit. You know, I was very absorbed in the MTV sort of culture of the time. Yeah, but it wasn't until uh, 2008, when I was 17, that my family moved to Australia, to the Gold Coast, that I really began to meet young Catholic people who who were engaged in their faith, and they talked about Jesus like he was a real person, and they really knew him, and they could dialogue with him in prayer. I thought that was quite amazing, and I think the reason I became friends with those people in the first place was, was just because they would be friendly to me. They accepted me, and they... They loved me for who I was, and I felt like at the new high school that I'd gone to when I was in year 11, I wasn't getting that kind of acceptance. And so I began to make friends with these people at church. And I suppose it was only the following year where where I really chose for myself that I really want to have that personal relationship with God and I really want to pursue holiness. And, yeah, I suppose I made that decision because my family was having a little bit of difficulty uh, you know, my parents had a bit of a rough patch and I didn't really know what to do and I didn't know where to reach out to, but I'd been going to youth group for a little bit and my friends told me that Jesus could help. And so I remember all this turmoil was going on and because my parents had been such rocks for me in my life, I felt very shaken and I just didn't know what to do. So I went to youth group one night and there was a guy's small group and so the guys all went up to the Gold Coast hinterland and we pulled over just randomly to the side of the road and one of the small group leaders said that he thought somebody that night needed prayer. I was like, okay, I think it's me. And so I told him what was going on with my parents and everything. And there was about 10 guys and they all, they all prayed for me right in that moment. Yeah, and then later that evening, my dad came and picked me up from church and he said that you'll never believe what, what's happened. And while we were talking, we worked out that at the very same moment to the minute that, that my friends were praying over me, uh, my mum my and dad were in their bedroom and trying to work out their differences or I don't know if they were arguing or what was going on. But my dad actually ended up taking the crucifix from above their bed and and showing it to my mum and saying to her, what does this mean to you? And, and, and when she looked at it, she... She just collapsed, and he said he felt like a very supernatural uh, presence. He felt the presence of God come into that room and come into my mother and come into himself in that moment. And when he was telling me this in the car, my whole body just shivered from head to toe, and I was like, wow, like, this is the first time I've actually trusted God with something so personal, so precious and close to my heart that I'd usually want to hang on to for myself. But I decided to surrender it over to God and... And he really came through for me like like I never thought anyone would be able to. And from that moment on, I was like, I need to direct my life towards Jesus and, and live my life for him. And 
and live it in the church and and share it with other people. So yeah. Wow, that's a really powerful story. <laughs> Amazing. Chris, how then did Mary become a part of this faith journey that this new faith journey that you discovered? Was Mary always a part of this or was that another story how she became part of your journey? Yeah, well I think I think Mary was always there because my dad's from a from a Portuguese family, so he was only first generation in South Africa, his parents were Portuguese. And so being Portuguese and Catholic, the family had a very big devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. And growing up in our house, we had a statue of Our Lady of Fatima. And uh, when, I, when I was about 10 years old, I'd, I moved to a new bedroom. And for some reason, I decided that I wanted the statue to be in my bedroom. And, and my parents said that was fine. Yeah, so as I grew up, and even you know through difficult times in high school where I wasn't sure what to believe or or what to do with my life when it was very confusing. You know, Our Lady was there and, and she was on top of the shelf watching over me. Um, uh, and I, I definitely feel like, like she's, always, she's always been there. And, um, you know, after the experience which I, which I just described to you, I started to cultivate a personal prayer life and started to want to pray for more than one or two minutes. And, yeah, so the rosary just became... I guess the first option to me, I'd been taught a little bit about the rosary in primary school and I thought, okay, well, I feel like Mary's going to gonna lead me closer to Jesus because that's what they taught me. So so I'm, I'm going to start praying then. So yeah, so I started praying the rosary after high school and in the year 2010, went on Net Ministries and was in Port Macquarie. And that year I decided that for Lent, I was going to pray rosary every day. And so prayed the rosary every day in Lent and, and thought it was great. At the end of Lent, I was like, okay, I don't have to do it every day now, but I was still doing it every few days, once or twice a week maybe. And then uh, in the second half of the year, my brother on team and I decided that we were going to together pray rosary every night from June until the end of the year. And so we did that and we just found that the fruits of that prayer were massive. And yeah, so ever since then I've been pretty much praying the rosary every day and loving it. Chris, could you share with us a little bit about, you said the fruits of the rosary was quite massive. Can you give us yeah. some examples of how that happened and what it was and what it did to your prayer life? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we were obviously doing youth ministry on, on net uh, in Port Macquarie. And every night we would just offer up our team and and our ministry and everything like that, our youth group that we were running, we were, we were doing quite a few events for the youth uh, in the parish there. And we just found that after a while of praying the rosary every night together, that our ministry just seemed to take off. And, and it was quite amazing because it was the first time that this place, uh, that Port Macquarie had had a net team. And, you know, our youth group numbers were just increasing quite fast. Uh, all our other events that we were ha having the attendance was happening quite fast and then we even had a few young people interested in, in coming and joining NET and and by the end of the year we actually got three people from Port Macquarie uh, who ended up doing NET the following year. Yeah, so I think definitely through our ministry it was, was a tangible and visible fruit uh, from praying the rosary, I think. Chris, you made some very good points. One of the things I liked what you said was that in the beginning of your journey how the witness of others who had a community and who were praying and, and spoke openly about their prayer life was somehow attractive to you. And I think yeah. that speaks a lot of 
how we can evangelize to our friends and our family and our workplace. As someone who's done quite a bit of of net ministry and understanding this process, would you like to expand that a little bit more, your thoughts on that idea of witnessing your faith to others? Yeah, sure. I think every opportunity that we get to to talk about our faith, uh, we should talk about it. Um, And I think that can be hard at times, you know, especially because I'm at uni at the moment. I sort of felt like when I when I left two years of net and came to uni and I was by myself and in a very secular environment that it was much harder to share my faith but I suppose I really I really uh, take comfort from from the gospels and, and looking at Jesus sending out the the disciples sending out the 72 in pairs and and so I think it's important to witness with other people when you can uh, because it just gives you a little bit more courage to do so but look, I think, you know, when people ask you what you do and what you've been doing, and for example, going to uni, I was a, I was a bit older than all the other first years because I'd been doing something else for two years. And so I got to say, you know, I was doing mission work with young people in the Catholic Church, and, and that's not something that they, that they hear every day. And, mm. and they ask me what I want to do with my journalism, and I say, I want to work for the church. You know, I want to I use my journalism in a positive way, in a way that builds up uh, society and puts God in in the right place uh, at the centre. So I I try to do that as much as possible, even though it can be hard, but I think it is important to share it however you can. And and then even if you can't, uh, if you can't share your faith using words, sometimes just what you can do for other people, opening a door for somebody or, yeah, you know, just helping them if they drop their books. (laughs) Uh, I think even that's a witness in a way because God can, God can supernaturalize those, those actions and, and use them for great good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, look, thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. Um, I've really enjoyed hearing your story, and I'm sure the listeners have as well. Yeah, my pleasure. So I think some key points that we can all take on board there is the Christian group that you were with, they accepted you, they reached out, so there's that charity, there's that love in action. And, you know, we've got to remember that, just the little actions of love can really um, do more perhaps than what we appreciate saying the rosary for six months and making that commitment through Lent really helped you to get into the regular routine and then the fruits of that became obvious. So Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Wish you all the best in your future and uh, the church certainly needs good journalists. So we wish you well and we look forward to reading your articles sometime in the future. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for having me. And to all our listeners, thank you for being with us. And please join us next time on Our Queen, Our Mother, when we'll look once again at the graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. radio.org.au